Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What is up, sporting fans? Welcome into another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Allie Trost Martin, joined as always by Nate Bucati. And man, we've got a heartbreaker to talk about because that loss in Dallas last weekend was tough. After Sporting Kansas City got ahead, conceded two in the second half, and dropped the three points in Frisco at Toyota Stadium. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second, Nate, but let's talk about what else is coming up on the show today because we'll have Tim Leibold, new left back for Sporting Kansas City, joining us in the second segment. And then turning the page, Seattle Sounders coming to town back at home this upcoming weekend. We'll preview that Seattle Sounders match to close things out. But uh, here we are, another week. Sporting Kansas City still looking for that first win of the season. And it looked like against Dallas that they might get it because came out, started very aggressive, had a lot of good chances, were controlling the tempo, get that first goal of the season in the 11th minute by way of Daniel Shallowy. You could see that frustration kind of lift from the group. And then the second half, things all kind of take a turn, concede in the 55th minute, Alan Velasco with a well-worked goal, uh, absolute banger from outside the box. And then 60th minute, Sporting Kansas City get a couple of cracks at uh, some penalty attempts and miss both of those. And then Jesus Ferreira, who else to uh, to give Dallas the lead in the 84th minute? 2-1 was the scoreline. Frustration, disappointment. But uh, what was your kind of takeaway, Nate, from uh, from what you watched in that game? I think that the biggest key, my takeaway is the biggest key for this team is they got to stay positive because they, I just think, have had, and this is going to sound like some excuse making, but remember, I watch all the teams in the league now, Ali, so I do feel like I have a different perspective kind of watching almost from a 30,000-foot view. I didn't get to watch the game live until I came home from calling the Seattle LAFC game this weekend, so I watched it yesterday, already knowing what the result was going to be, and... I think the reason I say I think the key right now is to stay positive for this team is because they played three of their first four games on the road. They've had chances to score goals that they haven't taken advantage of yet. And then in this game, they get two cracks from the penalty spot to go up in the second half and try to see the game out, and they don't convert. I don't think either penalty was a terribly taken penalty. They weren't the best taken penalties in the world, but if the goalkeeper guesses the wrong way, it's a penalty. It's, I mean, they didn't miss the goal or anything like that. That type of thing happens, and I look at it more as a bad break than I do this is a bad team or this is a bad performance by this team. And I think that separating performances from results is important. Now, yeah, they got to be more clinical at some point. They got to finish some of these chances. The goal by Velasco, the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I watched it, was I think I've seen Sporting Kansas City take 20 shots like that this year. You know, when I got to the chance to call the Colorado uh, game for Sporting Kansas City in Colorado and, and Yarbrough made the 11 saves, most of those saves are pretty comfortable. 
and yeah. your and your you know the yeah but to all the shots they had against LA and Colorado was yeah but they weren't like great chances they were from outside the penalty area they they were you know they were okay that's the kind of chance that Velasco had and he put it in the corner mm-hmm. and the team's just not been putting those in the corner enough yet now Daniel had a big conversion I think it took a little bit of a deflection but he he, he got one of those shots to the point where the keeper couldn't save it. Sporting needs to get some more. They need to hit some more corners uh, in terms of the corner of the goals, you know, the, yeah. um, and and then they need to convert a penalty or two. And you're talking about a team with five points right now um, instead of two. And so I think, and I think that, and we're going to hear from Daniel Shallowy later on in the show about this a little bit, but I think that, you know, to use a baseball analogy, in the first, if you have a slump in the first month of the season, you look up there at the scoreboard every time you walk up to the plate, and your batting average is a hundred. You know, and it's like, oh, geez, I my batting average is a hundred. If you're batting three hundred, and then you have the same type of slump in the middle of the season, your batting average drops to two eighty. Mm-hmm. And you're walking up to the plate going, I'm hitting 280, not so bad. You know, and I think when you start the season and you just don't have a win yet. And you got two points out of four. You look at it and go, "Oh boy, we're at the bottom of the standings." And we got, we got, we've only scored one goal. And look out, you know. And um, I think so. The 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 key is, look, the other teams are going to have a four game stretch like this, especially if it's a stretch where they got to play three out of four games on the road. Yeah. And they're dealing with some of their best players in the attack being injured. So for me, I don't think they're in that bad of a place. Now, look, you don't want to keep going, but I think they're still playing decent soccer. And they're creating chances, and they're going to start getting some more home games. So they just got to stay positive. I guess that's my no, biggest I takeaway. Totally agree. And, and that analogy you used was spot on because the more and more you let some of those stat lines kind of be front of mind, I mean that mm-hmm. that does get in the way of your ability in the game to to not be thinking about it. Like you don't want to be winding up for a shot thinking I have to make this because we need to start scoring and I goals haven't scored and all I year. haven't yeah, yeah. And, and because it, and and those things can definitely almost make the problem worse than make it better just cuz you know and and you and I know this like you can't worry something into existence or 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 stress about something and and, and you know make it happen that way. Um, but you know, you bring up a good point about you know some of the shot attempts that Sporting have had this year and they do rank either at they did rank at one point at the top and or at least now towards the top of the league uh in shots from outside the box and you know while some of those attempts can can be better than others it's not always easy to get a a really good uh look at goal from outside the 18 so that you know can be something else as sporting Kansas city looks to get even better looks it's going to be a tough task of course against the seattle team that hasn't conceded in their last two games we know what they can do offensively uh we'll preview that game later on but there have been uh other positives that we can uh focus on here and a big one being out at training this week for the first time in what feels like forever, we saw Daniel Shallowy, Johnny Russell, and Alan Polito on the training pitch at the same time, working their way back. We're not entirely sure on timelines just yet, but manager Peter Ruiz was asked about what it was like having those guys back out and if that provides a boost for the team. Yeah, I mean, different guys are obviously, I said, over the next couple months here are going to be coming back, and it's good to have those guys uh, in training and, and full. Um but obviously a lot of guys still got a ways to go. Even getting them back on the field, though, just 
does that put kind of a shot in the arm for guys' excitement about getting some of those guys back? I think what it does is is that it puts pressure on everyone, which is needed um, on a regular basis, meaning pressure in that you know you go out and perform, and if not, there's another guy waiting to step up and do that, and I think that's really healthy for a team. All right, so there is manager Peter Vermees. Nate, we're talking all about positivity, about mindset, and we knew uh, since the start of the season and since we've been talking to Vermees, even going back to preseason, that getting some of these players back in those timelines, like it was – it's going to be important and it's going to be something, you know, that's going to keep making this team better as those players become available. But I mean, this front three is one that I think fans, you know, we've seen how good those three can be together at times. Uh, And so the thought that that could be the reality soon here for sporting Kansas city uh, has got to be appealing for the team and, and for fans as well. Yeah. And we talked last week on the show when I was looking at those attacking zone statistics and, where the attack came for Sporting Kansas City uh, earlier in the season. It was all coming up the left-hand side. They were more balanced in this game against FC Dallas. They had actually more attacking actions up the right-hand side than they did the left-hand side in the game. But I still think, look, having Johnny Russell back is never a bad thing. And getting Alan Polito back, I, I got a sense from Peter listening to him. I was here when he was speaking to the media about that stuff. You want to be excited about those guys coming back. But you also don't want to send a message to the other guys that, oh, we just we just need to wait till they come back and they're going to solve all of our problems. You know, we got to be the answer to our own problems as well. Right in here, the guys that are out here on the field right now. And and look, you're going to have to ease those guys back, too. And as Peter said there, it's going to depend on how they recover. So I think it's it's a it's a little bit of a double edged sword. Exciting to have them back. But you don't want to get. You don't want to get all your hopes put on, oh, well, once we get Johnny Russell back, you know, problem solved. You've yeah. got, you got to solve some of those problems uh, and not just rely on the on the injured guys to fix everything. Yeah, and, and I think the boost comes from, you know, you want to have – like these guys want to play, mm-hmm. and if you're a teammate of those guys, you, you want to have all of your players available. You want everyone to be healthy. You want everybody to, you know, have a have a chance to, to impact the game. And I think for Sporting Kansas City, having some of those options – uh, not just as they get into some of the the dog days of summer as the season wears on with with more uh, an additional competition with the league's cup and, and a lot of players that are going to be needed to uh, help carry uh, the team through what to, you know to the end of what is a very long season uh, but also give them options against different opponents and and that's always a good thing to have when you are able to look to your bench and have a number of guys who can come in and and do different things in the game to play to your strengths and maybe ex- expose a weakness uh, of your opposition but Sporting Kansas City fell 2-1, still looking for that first win of the season. We'll look to do that this weekend against the Seattle Sounders. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will visit with new Sporting Kansas City left back Tim Leibold. Uh, get to know him a little bit better as he uh, begins his first season here in Kansas City with Sporting KC. That's all coming up next here on the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And welcome back to the Sporting Kansas City Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm Allie Trost Martin, joined as always by Nate Bucati, and we've got a very special guest with us today, Sporting Kansas City left back Tim Leibold joining the show. Uh, newly acquired player this year joining the team. He's only been in Kansas City now for, if you factor in preseason, just a, a few weeks in, in total. But, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome to the U.S., to Kansas City. Uh, we're happy to have you. 
Thank you for inviting me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, this will be uh, this will be fun. And really, every time that we get a new player on for the first time, we we like to try to just get to know you a little bit better. So we'll talk some soccer, of course, um, but mostly just wanting to kind of rewind a little bit and kind of talk about your journey here to MLS. And you spent uh, your entire career ca- across the two top divisions in in Germany, and then make the move to Major League Soccer. So uh, I just want to start with that. What what led to uh, the decision to make this move and, and play in America and, and MLS? Yeah, it was uh, not that easy a uh, decision. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, we, we had the opportunity, or I had the opportunity uh, to speak with uh, some other clubs, not only in the MLS, uh, because my my contract in um, in Hamburg um, will end in, in, in June. So I, I had the chance to talk to other clubs and... Uh, yeah, I always wanted to go to to another state, not not just Germany, to also play for, yeah, maybe a, a, another club in another country. And um, when uh, the first Seat Karol Milicimovic gave us the opportunity, yeah, to to speak with them, it was like okay, the MLS America was very very different, but yeah, I I had the chance to to learn about and uh, it was very good for me. What was like the thing that made you be confident that this was the right move like what was the the selling point that you're like yeah this is um, we're gonna do this i think i spoke with my family a lot we had it the last time i spoke with my girlfriend if uh, yeah they were uh, stand together if we stand together and, and make the decision for us not just for, for myself and they were like okay go for it when when you have the, uh, the opportunity to to do a step like this then they make it and i was like okay if i have them in my back then i will do it and so uh, yeah it, Every time we talk to somebody who who comes from overseas to play here, almost without exception, we say, did you know anything about Kansas City? And they say, didn't know anything about Kansas City at all. Was that the case for you? No. For sure, I didn't uh, knew a lot, but uh, I know there's a good barbecue in Kansas City. <laughs> okay, did you really know that before you before you even started talking about? Yeah, I knew it really? before. Yeah, yeah. How did you know that? I don't know. <laughs> I I had some friends in in, in my school which uh, study in in the in the U.S. in 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 Boston, and I think uh, two of them in in Chicago. Okay. And uh, I still have a good relationship with them, and then uh, yeah. I spoke a lot with them about the, the country, how it is. They went to different places, and they told me, when I want to, to eat a good barbecue, I have to go to Kansas City. Okay. And I never Amazing. heard Kansas City before uh, that yeah. often, so I was okay. Where is it? Yeah, yeah. And that, right in the was, middle. Yeah. Right smack dab <laughs> right. in the middle. Yeah, true. And that's what it was. So how, how much of the barbecue have you had so far? Uh, just one time, but it was amazing. I went to the chill station. Oh yeah, it yeah. was good one. It was delicious. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. probably not allowed to have much of it during like the season anyway. I mean, it's huh? I don't know. He's it, smiling. Barbecue puts me to sleep. <laughs> sometimes. Not, sometimes. Not the best like pre-training meal. Probably yeah, that, not. That's true. But we, I, I just wanted to know um, where I can find some good barbecue, and they, they told me like the Q39 or the Joe's gas station is uh, yeah. yeah delicious. So. All good ones. We went there. The great thing is there's there's all kinds of places you can go to, and they're all different, so you have a lot of time to figure out which ones you like the best and form your own opinions. Um, what about the soccer? What was your impression of Major League Soccer uh, from when you were in, in Germany trying to decide about all this? I think in the past I, I watched a few games, not that much, but just a few over the last years because uh, – 
also of the time difference the the games are always like uh, during the night in germany and uh, yeah when when the first contact um was like um how to say in english was like get with the with the sporting kansas city then i thought about okay to watch a little more games and it was mm -hmm. during the playoffs and so i watched a few games in the playoffs and they were like a little different than, than the play than the games in europe more physically i would say about um, 60 70 minutes very organized but after that like Chaos. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not, well, this last year's playoffs too i feel like had a special kind of uh craziness to them than, yeah. than even in years past. But that is a very MLS. Yeah. That's a good, uh, that's yeah. a good assessment. Okay. <laughs> so you noticed organization for the first hour or so. And then what did you see? I mean, she said chaos. What was your, what was your, you mean in the, in, in, in the whole game? So when, yeah, when you just your impression when you watch these games, now I was like, there are uh, some good players uh, everywhere. So, um, of, of course, the quality of the football is a little different, but also very, very good. And I was like, okay, I can um, uh, yeah, accept the, the, the style of playing there for, for sure. For, yeah, there I was like, okay, I want to do it. So uh, let's go back to how you got into the sport of soccer. How old were you when you started playing? Who introduced you to it? What was soccer like? Uh, and, and can you repeat the name of the the town you were that you grew up in? It's called Friolzheim. Okay, Friolzheim. Yeah, it's so not bad. Not bad. If yeah, like reading it as a, as an English speaker, I would say Friolzheim. So I'm close. But yeah, Friolzheim. Very, right? very good. Very okay, good. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. And 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 what kind of a town is it? A small town near to near to Stuttgart. Um, okay. Me and my brother, I have an older brother, he's one year older than me. Uh, we grown up there together with my, with my parents, or with our parents. And uh, yeah, we had a chance um, to went to the VfB Stuttgart. It's called a big club in Germany um, uh, to, to play there in their youth. Uh, my brother and me together. And yeah, that w was like our first steps in, 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 in soccer in, in, in Germany about, I don't know, we were about eight or nine years old, you know. So before that, though, was it just kind of playing backyard soccer, playing around, you know, with your friends, or, and then how did you, uh, how did you decide to to make that step at age um, eight or nine? We played in our little town in in in, in that team together, and um, in Stuttgart, the, in the club, is like every year, um, once a day, there's like an opportunity for for little players to come there. And to show some, I don't know how to say, it, some skills and uh, some, you have some matches about uh, seven against seven, and then the scouts, I would say, like like scouts, they look like okay, which kind of players do we need in our uh, small youth, and uh, yeah, then decided to to pick uh, pick us. So you're eight or nine years old. I think so. About okay. maybe maybe seven. I don't. Now, know. so did you drive to Stuttgart every day to train while still living in Friolzheim? Yeah, true. Okay. It was about forty-five minutes okay. every day. So uh, mostly our our mother, yeah, she she brought us there. How serious is the soccer when you're nine, ten years old playing like that? Where did you feel like it was a lot of pressure, or were you just going to play no, every day? I was just just going to play every day. It was yeah. very cool because it's a it's a big club in not yeah. for sure in Germany, but also in the south of Germany. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was great to have the chance um, uh, playing, uh, yeah, for in the youth for for that club for sure. So you know, if you get picked for that club, you have a pretty good idea that you're a good player. Is that fair to say? 
at that age? Like, did you know, I must be pretty good if they want me to play for them? No, I don't think so. You it didn't was, even think about no, it? No, I, I think so. It was just like, okay, I have the chance to play there. I have the chance to play maybe with a, with a lot of friends. And uh, that was the only thing, to have fun. And, but I didn't expect that uh, I became a pro a few a few years a few years later. Yeah. Do you re do you remember a moment when that became real to you that I could actually become a professional soccer player? It was a, it was a little different because they kicked us out um, about when we were 14 or 15, my brother and me, because um, every year they have to decide okay which guys um, can take the step in the next I would say like level or next age. And most of the guys, they they have to leave. So my brother and me also, they, they kicked us out. And then we, we played in a club uh, which was lower located. Is it, is it right? I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And um, in that point, I was like, okay, I don't become a professional footballer. I just make my school. And then maybe I go on to study. Uh, and that's it. And uh, yeah. A few years later, then it went a little different. Yeah, how did uh, how did that play out? We we had when I was 17 or 18 um, with my club. It's called SKV Freiberg. They they played in the fifth league in Germany. We had a, a friendly game against the second team of Stuttgart, and they played in the in the third league, so a professional team. And um, after that game, the coaches they came to me and was like, "Okay, you are not that bad. Uh, would you like to to come to train with us for like a test training uh, for a few times?" And we we're like, "Okay." I try it and then I was there about three or four times and after that they decided okay we give him a contract about two years wow and how old were you at that time I I would say 17 18 like wow yeah, yeah were you just like surprised yeah. when that happened yeah or? sure there was uh, close because in that summer I finished my my school in Germany and I was like okay what is the next step uh, do I'm going to study or I don't know make like an um, a different occupation is it occupation yep. i don't know yeah and uh, you could say yeah. job job yeah. okay occupation job is yeah. the same thing and yeah. i wasn't clear what to do and uh, yeah it, it helped me a lot that they decided to, <laughs> to keep me out. so have you ever heard uh, the the phrase to have a chip on your shoulder a chip on your shoulder yeah so in, in english they say if you have a chip on your shoulder that means you have something to prove uh, almost like and the, the reason they say it that way is I've got a chip on my shoulder and I'm daring somebody to come knock it off my shoulder. Like I'm almost ready for a fight. Okay. If that makes any sense. And it usually means I want to prove to you that I'm better than you think I am. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. So when you got kicked out of Stuttgart mm -hmm. and then you're playing against their team, did you have a chip on your shoulder? Did you have something to prove? Like I'm going to show these guys that they should have never kicked me out. Was that in your mind at yeah, all? Yeah, may a little bit, you could say like that for sure, because it was just a few a few years gone. So it was, uh, I don't know, three or four years later that we played against each other. And during that time, I was like, okay, I when then when they will come back to me, uh, for sure I will never go back to, to Stuttgart mm -hmm. because they, they, they kicked us out. But in, in that moment, yeah, it was a little different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different when they come to yeah, you. Yeah, because uh, when, you, yeah. When, you, when you have a chance like that, yeah. it was for sure always a dream when you're um, uh, a young boy playing football that became a professional soccer player. Um, yeah, that you had to, to use these chances. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of great athletes have a moment like that in their life where they had their heart broken or they were told they weren't good enough 
and then they have that chip on their shoulder and it kind of stays there the rest of their life. Like, I'm going to work harder than the guy next to me because I, I want to prove something. Did, has that stayed with you at all? Did you did you have this kind of work ethic because of, of that moment? Yeah, you could say like that. Because I would say, like, I know the other side. I know that some of the guys who are still playing in the fifth or sixth league in Germany, that they ever had a dream to become a professional, but maybe they hadn't that luck, maybe they hadn't the, the right coach. So there are a few things uh, with the, which had come together uh, that I became a professional. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you appreciate it. And not everybody, even people who go through those experiences, are able to recognize that hey, this is, this is pretty special. Yeah, it happened. Like I, whether cool. it's, you know, it, it's a combination of, you know, luck, hard work, all of those things. But um, when you, uh, you said it, it was like your dream growing up when you were younger and that you kind of felt like they helped you make a decision and, and presenting that opportunity. If you hadn't been a professional footballer, what would you, what would you have done? Is there anything now that you look back? You said that your brother is a, a, a physical therapist physician physical therapist yeah, right, yeah. Right. what would you uh, what appeals to you if you had to pick something outside of uh, sport I, I would say i have no idea i don't <laughs> know it was 10 or 12 years ago maybe i thought um uh, i went to an insurance company for uh, i don't know how to say it in english for the to to like to to know each other for the first time interview you like an interview right yeah and um they were like, no, we don't take you. I was like, okay. No, like, cool. yeah. I don't want to do this anyway. <laughs> Good really. for you. <laughs> really. But I, I didn't know what to do. And um, yeah. for sure, I had, I had that luck that it, for sure in that summer, we had that friendly game against uh, this former club. And so. Wow. Yeah. And it was just that one that one game like that changed everything. Then. Yeah, because the, the coaches, they, they know uh, they um, know each other, knew, knew each other. Um, the coaches from Stuttgart and from from a, a team, this Eske for Freiburg, is it called the, the the smaller club? And so yeah, they made a friendly game and uh, gave me and another guy the opportunity to uh, do a training with a uh, training with them. Yes. And you have you always played uh, left back? Has that always been your position? No, in uh, in the youth I was striker. Oh wow! Yeah, really. That's how it always works. Yeah, it? Like I, you, the, all the great players are up top at first, crazy, and then you yeah. just kind of. But the way you play the left back position, you still get forward quite a bit, right? Yeah, that's. I would say my my type of playing. Yeah. Yeah. So, we. I think that's interesting because, the game has the game has changed, uh, over the years. It used to be if you were a left back, you were a defender. Yeah. Now it seems it's it's way more common for the fullbacks to get up the field in, in a lot of different systems. True, yeah. H has it always been like that in Germany, or have you? did you see that position change as you've been playing since you were a youth? No, I think you were right. It changed a lot over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Um, uh, I don't know why. I don't know if it was like, okay, the, maybe the fullbacks uh, became like more technique more technical and uh, so they they had the chance to create some opportunities and in, in front of the goal i don't know why but uh, yeah i was uh, i would say like i i were lucky that the game changed like this yeah yeah we are visiting with Tim Leibold, left back for Sporting Kansas City. I want to get into some fun ones uh, with you as well because i've heard that you have acclimated you've gotten uh you know to to uh to kind of 
get to know and kind of fit in with the locker room here very well since you've come over. Uh, how has it been getting to know uh, your new teammates and, and especially your, your German uh, buddies, Eric Tommy and Robbie Bolleter? Yeah, for sure was a little bit more easy um, when you have like a, a German guy or two German guys in your new team because they can show you everything and uh, can can tell you um, a few things about the club and about the team. But I like it also to meet the people with which I didn't met before. So not just the German, all the other ones, not only the players or all people around the club. And I, I like to to get in front of of new people and talk to them and. Uh, to um, get some new things. Yeah. Very fun. We, uh, I see a bunch of tattoos. Obviously, this is a, an audio platform in which you're listening to the show. But is there a tattoo that you have that has the most significance to you or that means the most? Yeah, I have one on my, my right arm. It's like my brother, uh, me, and my granddad. Aww. When uh, we were on holiday about, I don't know, 1995. And uh, yeah, he's still alive, my brother also. So, uh, But it's, it's pretty cool. And the... the Tattoo, tattoo artist, yeah. what is it called? Yep. I think he did it very well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks great. Where, where were you guys on holiday? Where do you go on holiday in Germany? <laughs> it's called Amrum. What, yeah, for, is what is that? Or what do you do you, there? You don't know that? No, I'm joking. For sure. no. <laughs> I was like, you can convince me of anything yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> it, it's like in the north of Germany. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, a, a little island, a small island. And, um, is it so, by Denmark, basically? Maybe may between the, the, the North Sea in Germany and, and Denmark. Okay. You'll find it. Yeah. And uh, we went there for a few times because there's some, some good air for, for everybody, some good fresh wind, and uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, sounds like it. S okay, so you have one on your hand that's written in English. Yeah. Soulmates. Yeah. It's for me and my brother. Oh, wow. oh. Yeah. Why did you decide to have it written in English? I don't know. I like different languages. I have also an Arabic one on my back. Really? Yeah, really. How many languages do you speak? Just, I would say, German and a little English. A little? Your English is very Yeah, your English good. is very yeah. great. How did you learn English? Just in school. Yeah? Yeah. See, we need to do a better I job know. of that in this country. Yeah, my, really? Like, I took Spanish, and I'm uh, my Spanish is nowhere near as good as your English. You okay. know what I mean? We yeah. need to do a better job of teaching it. And my other question is, I see one with palm. Are those palm trees? Yeah. Okay. Does that represent a special place? No, no, yeah. That was my first one. I just wanted to uh, have a, a similar tattoo like my former teammate. I had one in Germany. Okay. And he had almost the same on his, on his arm, and I was like, okay, I just wanted the okay. same. It was about when I was 18 or 19 years. I was guessing I, that maybe you there was some sort of tropical place you've been to in your life that had palm yeah, trees. Yeah, that's true. To Mallorca. You ever been to Mallorca? No. Huh? Yeah, it's uh -uh. crazy. That's the best place, huh? <laughs> is, is that the best place you've ever traveled to, or do you have a, a place that you've been that, that stands out? I, I, I love to travel, and um, Mallorca is a different place because we celebrated our... Um, was it say to we went uh, to the first league from the second league promotion uh -huh. yeah yeah and then we we celebrated it for for three days and it was for sure it was outstanding and um now i i've been to many places but i would say every every place has this his own his own touch his yeah. Own, yeah mallorca is in the middle of the mediterranean and i've i've never been to the mediterranean i would love to go to any places there that i could are there any places once you decided okay i'm going to be living in the united states 
Are there any places in particular that you really want to see in this country while you're here? For sure, I, I think maybe when we have the time in in, in the win, in the in the summer or in the winter to to do a road trip, um, maybe due to the to the west coast. Uh, I've never been to I don't know San Francisco maybe or to mm -hmm. to Las Vegas or the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I think in the U.S. there's so many places where you have the chance yeah. to get there. But we went to uh, Los Angeles from the former club in in the November last year, uh -huh. and I don't know. Some some people say okay, LA is great, but I didn't like it. I don't know why. <laughs> Did you get stuck in traffic for a long time? That'll that'll not only yeah. right yeah, there. a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah. It, it was a little different. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. right. There's just there's so much. There's it's such a big country. Yeah. You know, true. there's you can see pretty much. It's got everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So good. Well, I, I hope you get a chance to check it all out, you know. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe to Canada. Um, yeah, yeah my I cousin, love Canada. My cousin went to, to Canada a few years ago. He stayed there for one year. Okay. And he was like, well, the landscape in Canada is Do you like winter sports, like skiing or skating or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, we, we went to a, a ski holiday in uh, when I was young, my brother, my family. So maybe for one time a year. And uh, after I get a professional, I yeah. stop with it. But uh, yeah, maybe... Okay, I uh, I want to close out the show with uh, a couple of fun German translations. Okay. So I'm going to give you some words in English, and you'll just say them back to me in German. Okay, okay? Yeah. You ready? I try. Um, goal. Tor. 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 When you score a goal, it's like Tor. Okay. okay, I like that. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got goal. What about like soccer field or pitch? Um, Platz. Platz. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you have any, you can jump in. I'm just kind of how do you top what do you head. call it when you uh, in, in English we say nutmeg when you if I put the ball between your legs in German it's a tunnel a tool a tunnel tunnel oh like a tunnel a tunnel yeah. like a tunnel a tunnel okay yeah. tunnel all right what about like celebration like after you score a goal like what would you call like the celebration like um, I would say feiern it's like celebrate when you when you feiern something okay <laughs> so there's a there's a spin move in soccer that I was always told it's called the Maradona, where you step on the ball, you spin around, and then you go. Uh -huh, I know. Um, we learned from uh, Gerso back when he was here in Portuguese. They called it a ruleta. Is it? Uh, do you have a name for that? For that skill, that move in German? A ruleta. I think in Germany, I don't know everywhere else, it's called a sidantrick. Sidantrick. Uh -huh. Okay. You know Sidantrick for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And he did it many times in the past. Yeah. And I think. Uh, not only in Germany, maybe in other countries, they, they call it like this, Sidantrik. I'm trying to remember. Are you old enough to remember watching him in the World Cups? <sighs> For sure. You are? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. the infamous the, headbutt? <laughs> see, but to me, uh, the 1998 World Cup when France won, mm -hmm. how old would you have been at that point? Five. Five years old. You re do you remember that one? Not at all. I think yeah. the first one was the, the European Cup in 2000. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have any memories before 2000. So like, I that was, was my first memory. The only time I ever went to Europe, but at that point in my life, I was a, I was my last year of university. I went to Paris three months before the World Cup was there. Okay. So I bought all these trading cards of the players. And I, I they just showed Lillian Taram uh, sending his sons off to play for the French national team this morning. I saw it mm -hmm. on Twitter. I have a Lillian Taram card from that World Cup. I don't have a Zidane. But the point is, I watched that whole World Cup. I watched the France team because I had all these cards. Okay. And that's when I 
Zidane, it's unfortunate that he's remembered for the headbutt. I know. Because I it, it, but it's the that. truth, though. It is. It's it's the, it's what he's remembered for. But I watched in, that on YouTube in, so many times. In that World Cup in 1998, <laughs> he was the greatest player I'd ever seen in my life. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. So they call it a Zidane throw. A Zidane trick. Like Zidane trick. Zidane trick. I'm going to start calling it that. Oh. Maradona. I don't need Maradona. Zidane. I know. I've got some great. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to implement. You know, if I get a goal call for you at some point, I'll try to throw in some uh, some nice. German flair for yeah. you. But, uh, <laughs> okay, easy. Tim, welcome to Kansas City. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and good luck this weekend. Thank at, you very uh, much, guys. Against Seattle. Yeah. Thank All you. All right. Okay. There is Tim Leibold. We will take a quick break and be back on the other side to preview the upcoming match against the Seattle Sounders back at Children's Mercy Park this Saturday, 7.30 p.m. It's going to be a tough one, uh, but we'll see you all out there and we'll see you after this break. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we are back to close out this week's Sporting Kansas City Show. So great, Nate, talking with Tim Leibold. What a um, what a guy. I've, I've heard, too, just in talking with different players and, and conversations I've had around here, that he has really acclimated well in the locker room. And I think that conversation, it's pretty easy to see why. Yeah, very, very likable guy, very friendly uh, he's got a great smile. He looks like Olivier Giroud, which I told him after the uh, the interview, which I think made him feel uncomfortable. Uh, but I'm okay like, with that. Really? I was like, yeah, you're quite a handsome man yourself there, Mr. Leibold. So uh, he's got a lot going for him. But I think for Sporting Kansas City, getting him back, you know, and, and uh, just one more option there at mm-hmm. left back. And Ben Sweat's done a good job too. So, I, you know, I think that competition – we heard Peter Vermees earlier on the show talk about he wants competition at all the positions. They're going to need depth at all the positions too. It'll be good to get him back on track, and uh, I think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, and, and on that left side too, I mean, even though the attack was a little bit more balanced on the right and the left against Dallas last weekend, that game prior against the LA Galaxy, I mean, Sporting Kansas City likes to attack up that left-hand side. You've got Eric Tommy, Daniel Shallowy, and then some – combination of Ben Sweat, Tim Leibold back there. And, you know, as we were talking about with Leibold in that last segment, he used to be a striker. A big part of his game is getting forward, contributing to the attack. And, of course, we see that uh, with wingbacks all over the world now. But Mm -hmm. um, definitely something that he's going to look to continue to grow into here with Sporting Kansas City as he uh, gets further and further cemented into this team. All right, Nate, now looking ahead, though, Seattle Sounders coming to town, one of the best, most dangerous teams in the league. Uh, I think, you know, for a lot of people's money, uh, one of the teams expected to be there at the very end of this whole thing uh, for this 2023 season, reigning CCL champs. I mean, there's you can go down the laundry list of all the, the accomplishments that this club's had. Uh, and, and this sporting side in Seattle, they've had some really intense games, especially mm-hmm. in recent history here. Um, so it's going to be a good one no matter what. But, you know, you've called a few Seattle games this year, so I, I feel confident that you know them as well as anyone that we could have had uh, joining us uh, on the show today. What have you seen from the Seattle side this year? And you called that game that they put up four against Colorado. Yeah. So we've seen the offensive side, but we've also seen them battle it out with LAFC to a nil-nil draw. Yeah, you know, it's funny. In, in, in MLS, you, you sometimes have a game on your schedule that you think is going to be this, on paper, this incredible game. And then it plays out the exact opposite of everything you thought it was supposed to be. Seattle versus LAFC, all the attacking firepower out there from both teams, scoring goals for fun. And then they play a nil-nil game. Now, I think some of that is maybe down to LAFC had a Champions League game at midweek. Maybe they kind of bunkered in a little bit more than they normally would. But it just wasn't. It didn't turn out to be the kind of game that uh, that we had all expected it to be. But, you know, overall, 
yeah, doing the first game of the year for Seattle and then doing their, their latest game, the theme that, that keeps coming up for Seattle is they want to prove that last year was a fluke in terms of not making the playoffs. And I think everybody in Kansas City can identify with the same thing. Injuries derailed their season after they won the CONCACAF Champions League. Joao Paulo, their number six, went down in that final game of the Champions League in the second leg. And it was like, I'm not going to call it a Pyrrhic victory because a Pyrrhic victory is when you win the battle, but it causes you to lose a war. Um, they won not just a battle, they won the Champions League. So they, they got something massive for it, you know, making MLS history. But I do think it cost them the rest of the season. They had other guys get hurt too. Sporting can identify with losing players last year and having it knock them out of the playoffs. So then you have two very proud clubs that have a chip on their shoulder to – Mm-hmm. Which, which we educated Tim on that phrase, uh, coming into this season and are going to be ready to play. Things that stood out to me so far about them. When, when Seattle, when they, when they dominated Colorado, they got in behind the, the left side of Colorado's defense, the right side of their attack, which is the Roldan brothers. Alex mm-hmm. Roldan in the back, Christian Roldan on the right wing. They just kept getting in behind and getting in behind. And then you put those crosses in, and Jordan Morris is on the other side to knock him home. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz came back for the first time, made his first start of the year in this last game. The thing I'm going to be interested about Seattle is – They're very good right now. I think this is a team I would rather play later in the season than early in the season, and here's why. Raul Ruiz Diaz, I believe, is 32, 33 years old. Nico Ladero is 30, I think he turns 34 today. We're doing this on the, let's see if I can remember on my spotting boards. Um, His birthday is today, if I remember correctly. So he's turning either 33 or 34. Point is, these guys are getting into their mid-30s. They're some of the stars that have really carried the way. Joao Paulo is, uh, you know, is, is into his 30s now. And I just wonder... We've always talked about how long this season is in Major League Soccer and how much travel there is and all the different things that go along with, you know, the legs that you have to carry. Uh, let's see. Okay. So Ladero's 32, or Ladero's 34. He turns 34 today. Boom. Look and, at you. And Rudy has 32. And, and, and Paolo's 31. You know, can those guys. Do they still have the legs at the end of the season? But right now, I think they do. Raul Ruiz Diaz had five different soft tissue injuries last year. Yeah. He's already had one this year. He 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 came off the bench um, in game two and three, and then he started this last game, didn't go the whole way. Eber has been out. That was the guy they brought in to kind of you know help manage the minutes with him. So they got Freddie Montero coming off the bench at the striker position for Raul Ruiz Diaz right now with Eber out, and, and, and Montero, I believe, is 36 years old. So, look, they still have young star players. Jordan Morris is young. You know, Christian Roldan is young. New who's playing fantastic soccer right now. They have good center backs. They're a good team. I'm not trying to run them down in any way. I'm just saying that I think it's a little bit of tough luck for Sporting to play them earlier in the year. I think I'd rather play them later in the year. But they, they are not an unbeatable team. What I think you will look for is they love to hit on the counter. Mm-hmm. And I asked Daniel Shallowy about that and Kyrie Shelton about it a little bit. Okay, how do you avoid this? I know Peter Vermees, I've talked to him enough times to tell you, active defending is important. You've got to be positionally ready for if you do lose the ball in their third, that where the danger could be. And you've got to be ready to hit those because they can hit on the counter quickly. They're good at it. They're well drilled at it. And you know sporting's going to have the ball. 
in their third a lot this game. Kyrie said also patience is important there. Don't just don't try things and give the ball away. Be patient. Work it around. Don't give it away. And I think sporting, they're going to have their chances in yeah. this game for sure. Well, and we know that that patience is important. They scored that uh, that very memorable goal back in 2021 on the road at Seattle. The 36 passes leading up to what was eventually a mm-hmm. nice breakthrough uh, all the way to Johnny Russell on the right-hand side. And that uh, produced the eventual game winner in what was, hands down, the best road atmosphere for a regular season game I have ever been to. That felt like a playoff game. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a good one in Sporting Kansas City and Seattle. They're going to have many more of those games. Uh, even though it's early in the season, I expect these two sides to um, you know, be coming out with a with a lot of, of will to win in this game. Um, as Seattle will remember, Sporting knocked them out of the playoffs officially last year in their last home game of 2022, even though it was looking likely to happen regardless. But, you know, that, that came way in for Sporting Kansas City. They've got a tough task going up against a Seattle team that has only conceded once this season. Scoring has not been uh, easy for them so far in 2023. And Daniel Shallowy had some interesting words to say out here after training when it comes to how they perceive where they're at in uh, in the campaign so far. Seattle's always been a great team, and uh, even last year when they weren't doing too well in the league, you couldn't write them off, and this year they started so strong that uh, it's going to be a very tough game. But, um, you know, I think we've been playing well. We just missed that little bit of extra at the end and uh, correcting a couple of mistakes. Hopefully we can start this weekend, but you know, it's tough for us because we're in a place when it's a must win and then you play against a team like Seattle, uh, which, you know, dropping points against Seattle any year would be almost acceptable, but then you go into this game and you have to win it. So it's going to be a very tough game. I hope we bring our best. You consider this a must win already five weeks in? Yes, in terms of uh, not the five weeks, but having your first win. I think uh, it's very important. And, you know, when you start counting the weeks and then you still haven't had your first win, then uh, you start to worry. And that's what I don't want to get us uh, to get to. So that's why I would say it's a must win. All right. So there is Daniel Shallowy, Nate Bucati, a must win. We talk about that positivity, but at some point, uh, that positive mindset can only take you so far and you need to start producing wins and, and producing the results that, that you're after. Yeah, that that, uh, that comment raised some eyebrows. You know, um, when, when he said, I was like, hmm, must win week five. Uh, I think a lot of times people try to avoid saying things like that because then what if you don't win the game? Are you going to turn around and say the season's over? And clearly that's not the case for Sporting Kansas City. There's a long, long way to it's go. week in five, everybody, for those yeah. who haven't been keeping track. Yeah, yeah, out of 34. Right. Um, so, but I do think that the Daniel's making a point there, and I, I kind of respect the fact that he's like, they're okay with the pressure. They, they need to win this game. Mm-hmm. That's what he's trying to say. This is a home game. Um, the team hasn't gotten a win yet. They don't want to keep, they don't want that to be, he said, we don't want to start worrying which means they're not worrying yet. That's where I think the must win. It's not like the season's over if they don't win, but I think it is the we start to worry a little bit if we don't win. All of a sudden, the pressure starts to become a negative thing. And right now, I don't think it's a negative thing. I think it's just a, hey, let's go. This is a, this is an important game at home. Uh, Got to take care of business. Absolutely. And it's going to be a good one, a great atmosphere, as always, at Children's Mercy Park. Just the second home game of the season here in Week 5. Standing room only tickets available. Beautiful weather in the forecast, too, which is great to hear because this week leading up to the game, not so great. Cold, rainy, but uh, it's looking to be a nice day on Saturday, so be sure to uh, to grab your standing room only tickets if you haven't yet. Uh, get out to the game early. Look forward to seeing you all out there, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a full uh, a full crowd and a full effort uh, on Saturday night. And what's I'm sure to be a, 
uh, a really uh, exciting and entertaining matchup. And, of course, if you can't uh, make it out to the stadium and are looking for where to tune in, MLS Season Pass on the Apple TV app. We'll have you covered there. And, of course, since it's a home game, you can select the local broadcast option, and that game will air on ESPN Kansas City 94.5 FM. Of course, we'll have some pregame coverage and postgame coverage as well on the final whistle post-match show. For Nate Bucati, Tim Leibold, I am Allie Trost-Martin saying thank you so much for tuning in and listening this week. And let's go sporting. Let's get those three points this Saturday as they host the Seattle Sounders at 7.30 p.m. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.